Good morning, I'm Cabot. I'll be sharing a message from the uh, book of Ephesians with us today, and uh, we're going to uh, continue our worship and prayer, so if you please just bow your heads with me. Uh, Father in heaven, may your name be honored as holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we pray that you give us today the food that we need, everything that we need. Forgive us for our sins, if we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And God, some of us find it hard to forgive. Help us to forgive and in forgiving receive your grace. God, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from evil. As Christians, help us to do whatever we do for the glory and benefit of others, whether we fast or pray or serve. Help us to do those things without thought of earthly reward trusting that you are our recompense. And Father, uh, teach us the true purpose of wealth, that we would not worry about it or misuse it. Let our wealth and possessions not rule over us, but the Spirit of Christ in us be master over our earthly wealth. Let our hearts treasure Christ and serve him as our master. We pray that you give us a desire to use earthly wealth for heavenly gain. Father, you know some of us are worriers. Some of us worry about comfort and security and physical and relational, emotional needs. Help us to realize that life is more than these things. That worry is fruitless, that you provide. Help us to seek the kingdom of God above all else and to live righteously and to trust that you'll provide everything we need. And now as we open your word, we ask that you would open our eyes and hearts through your Holy Spirit. Help us to know and love Jesus more as we read about him this morning. Amen. All right. Well, uh, I am grateful for all of you who have helped us with the Kids Carnival. It was a lot of fun. And uh, if your um, capacity for chaos is low, it might have given you a little anxiety, but it uh, it was a lot of fun to be here together. It was, uh, it was great. Um, I want to let you know, before we get into our passage today, that in a couple of weeks we'll be changing our bulletin and bringing it down to one page, and everybody's like, well, who cares? Well, in your bulletin right now, there's, a, uh, there's our passages of Scripture. There used to be songs. We're going to get that down to one page, and one of the, the things you might be questioning is that we're actually taking out the text of Scripture in the bulletin. Right now it's printed. And uh, I want you to understand the reason why we're doing that. Uh, we, want to, we want to simplify and make the bulletin hopefully more helpful, but also uh, I really want to help you to get into Scripture via the Bible. And so I encourage you over the next couple of weeks to maybe change your habit a little bit and bring your Bible with you if you have one. And, uh, and you can use it and write notes on it uh, directly in there You'd, instead of losing sheets of paper and, and things like that, that, uh, that you actually do that. And if you don't want to carry it with you, we have plenty of them in the back, but it's just helpful to go through and find out where things are located in Scripture. The second thing uh, I'd like you to do is, do you have your phone with you? Anybody have your phone with you? I don't, because sometimes it it buzzes and it's really distracting when I'm talking. Um, But if you have your phone with you, go ahead and take that thing out, and first of all, silence it. And the second thing, and by the way, if you silence it, it doesn't stop your alarm. So if you have an alarm set during, uh, during service here, the alarm will go off, because that actually happened to me one time. It was embarrassing while I was talking. But um, the, the next thing besides silencing it, I'd like, like you to do is 
download the Bible on your phone if you haven't done that already. Uh, there's version, there's Logos, there's, uh, there's different versions of the Bible, but um, either now or sometime soon, go ahead and download that thing and also download a Bible reading plan. You can spend just a couple minutes a day, that thing will annoy you and give you a little reminder and, and, uh, and then you'll read a couple verses and, and move on. So um, something good to do with your phones for a change. Now, um, we today are going to be um, jumping into Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22. And, uh, and our, our, our whole purpose this morning is to, t- is to go on a spiritual journey. Uh, this passage is meant to take us on a spiritual journey. And when you have a journey, you start out somewhere, right? So we're going to start out, we're going to have a means of travel, and we have a destination. That's the whole message this morning. We have a starting point, um, a means, and a destination. Um, it looks a whole lot better behind me than in front of me. It's all blank. But uh, all right, so as, as we're starting out, uh, this... Just so you know, this, this passage right now is tightly connected with the passage that was spoken of this last week. So last week, uh, Mike Erton shared with, uh, with us about Ephesians uh, 2, 1 through 10. And when he shared, he also shared about how that was intimately related to the death of his mom and his mom coming to Christ and having a heavenly hope. It was a really... Um, sweet message and, and very poignant to me because uh, it, it kind of struck a chord. Now, maybe it struck a chord with you. Maybe you've had some kind of a, a story that's been similar, but uh, my dad um, also um, came to Christ. Uh, he came to Christ late in life, and uh, my dad had Parkinson's, and for uh, quite a while, he was, he was struggling. He had been a very successful businessman. He had trained thousands of commercial real estate agents and opened offices and done all these things throughout his life. I still get every now and then an email or a phone call from somebody he had trained. They can't say thank you to him, so they'll call me. Um, it's really an, an amazing thing. But towards the end of his life, um, we're on, on the phone, and, uh, and he... A real positive guy wasn't positive. He was struggling and just, you know, telling me the, the struggles that uh, he was going through and everything. And I said, Dad, you know, you really got one hope, and it's not here. This is a progressive disease. Um, you have one hope. And um, and so I, I won't finish that, but uh, but I will tell you that um, that that was significant for him as as we spoke. Um, but there were impediments for him coming to Christ. There are impediments to him on his spiritual journey, as there are impediments to all of us. Uh, the passage that we have today brings up um, some impediments, um, significant uh, things that are keeping us from Christ, and the passages last Sunday also did that. So Mike Curtin said, hey, one of the big problems with our spiritual journey is we're, we're dead. We start out dead. That's a problem. And so uh, you're spiritually dead, and you have to come to life. Well, today, uh, there's another D. So if last week was uh, death, today is distance. It's a long way between us and God. We are far from God. We start out far from God, and we want to come near. And what's that going to look like in our spiritual journey? Well, um, let's go to that first part, the starting point here. Um, 
If you look at your passage, it, it starts out with two words, uh, therefore and remember. Therefore points back, that's why I keep on referring to what Mike had to say this last Sunday, uh, by grace you've been saved uh, through Jesus Christ. Um, but remember, uh, the remember here is also talking about remember the, the distance, remember the, the death, remember the problems between you and Christ, because you can't really appreciate the, the, um, the goodness of what you've been saved to until you realize what you've saved from. Uh, you can't really appreciate the destination until you remember the starting point. And so one of the pieces on the starting point is, um, says you are uncircumcised. Now, when someone starts out saying you are uncircumcised, I think most of us would probably say, be a little bit puzzled. Like, what does it mean to be uncircumcised? What does that have to do with anything? being uncircumcised, and, and we won't talk about whether anybody's circumcised or not circumcised in this room, but, but the idea is, what, what, what does that have to do with, you know, with, with our spiritual condition? And so as you're, as you're digging into this, and you're, you're reading your Bible, and you're going, you hit see circumcision, you're like, what? And so if you were to do a search on that, do Google that thing, and try and figure out what the first occurrence of circumcision or uncircumcision is, you would land in the book of Genesis chapter 17. And in Genesis 17, God told Abraham, uh, his name Abram at that time, he changed it, um, to circumcise himself, his people, and all of his descendants, and all the children would be circumcised on the eighth day. So if you follow Abraham, Abraham's like one of the fathers of Israel. He is, like they call him literally Father Abraham. And so in, uh, in chapter, Genesis chapter 12, it starts out, he's told to go out from this land and to go to the land where God told him to go. So he's coming out from the land of his fathers, of idolatry and everything. He comes into this new land, and God gives him promises. He says, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And, and then ch chapter 15, that gets renewed again, and this uh, crazy scene of, of God going through with a smoking pot and fire through these uh, animals that have been cut in half, renewing the covenant. And then chapter 17, we get to this point, and the sign of the covenant, of the promises, all the promises to Abraham that through him all the nations will be blessed, the land, uh, the, the nation of Israel, all those sorts of things, is circumcision. And, um, and, and, and essentially, um, Abraham is told, uh, if, in fact, let's, let's read that. Um, this would be Genesis 17, 13. Uh, Whether born in your household or bought with your money, you must be circumcised, my covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. And then this, 14. Uh, any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. And then we fast forward to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. And, and uh, remember, God uh, shows up in front of Moses in the bush that's burning, but it doesn't burn up. And, and Moses is blown away. He comes up and, and, he, and he goes up to this burning bush. And God tells him, take off his sandals, for he's standing on holy ground. God reveals his name, that uh, the, the Lord, Yahweh, uh, I, uh, the, the ultimate reality. I, I was, I, I am, I will always be. And, uh, and then he gives... Uh, Moses these signs and tells him, hey, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh and tell him to set my people free. And so that's chapter 3 of, Gen of uh, Exodus. And then chapter 4, Moses starts doing all these things. He gets ready to go to Egypt and, and he's doing everything God told him to do. 
And then, all of a sudden, so this is Exodus 24, in the midst, or three, I'm sorry, 424, Exodus 424, at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. Does anybody think that's strange? It seems strange. I mean, we got the whole huge, you know, revelation of who God is and the commissioning to Moses. He's being obedient and God's going to kill him. And then, um, so what happens? Why does Moses not die? Uh, the next verse, this is Exodus 4.25. But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Ugh. Um, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. And then everything's fine. Everything proceeds on. It's it's like this is just like one little story in the middle of this whole thing. You're like, what? Isn't that weird? But if we go back to Abraham... And it says, any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. Moses was outside of the protective covenant of God. Because it wasn't that he hadn't been circumcised, his boys hadn't been circumcised. Why had his boys not been circumcised if Moses knew these things? Probably because there was something going on between him and Zipporah, his wife. She didn't like the idea. And so... They didn't do it. There was something in their marriage, and and he acquiesced. And then finally, when Moses is about to die because of this decision, she caved in, and and, uh, the boys were circumcised. If we fast forward, and and incidentally... um, those things happen in our marriages, don't they? That, you know, we have situations where we're, we're trying to sort things out. We end up doing things we shouldn't do, uh, and we don't support our spouse in doing the things they should do because we don't like it. If we move forward and, and just ask the question, was Jesus circumcised? He was supposed to be circumcised on the eighth day according to this covenant with Abraham. Uh, And in Luke 2.21, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Do we stand, do, do we in this room stand inside that covenant of circumcision? Even if we've physically been circumcised, we don't stand inside the bloodline of Israel for most of us anyway. I don't know if you've done the 23andMe, and maybe you, you do, but, um, but probably most of us don't. We are the ones being spoken of here in Ephesians 2, uh, 11 through 22, the people that stand outside the covenant of circumcision. We're not inside that protective covenant we're not in that nation that was created out of Abraham and, uh, and later the, the uh, kingdom of David and, and so forth. Uh, we're outside of that. And so we're separated from God in that way because we don't belong to the people of God. All the nations were going their own way and God said, I'm going to make a nation of my own. He said, through this nation, all through this Man, Abraham, through this nation, all of the kingdoms of the earth kingdoms of the earth are going to be blessed, but right now they stand outside the covenant. 
and they're separated, they're excluded, they're hopeless. So all of a sudden, circumcision makes sense because you looked it up in Google and you found out that was Genesis 17. Now, if we continue on this uh, passage, it talks about um, that we are excluded from citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise. So the promises don't belong to us in the Old Testament without hope and without God in the world. We're in a tough spot here. So that's where we start. We start far from God. We start our spiritual journey outside of the promises of God. And we want to move towards God. What's that going to look like? Let's go on to the next slide here. So let's uh, move on one more. Okay. Uh, Anybody know what this is? So up there is a placard that uh, used to belong to the temple. It was in the temple grounds. Uh, now it's in a museum in Turkey. Um, anybody read it right now? Well, I guess you can read it. The, you, uh, actually, why don't you guys read it? Let's make sure you're awake here in English. Uh, no foreigner is allowed past this point on penalty of death. Any idea where that was located? It was located in between the court of the Gentiles and everything else in the temple. So let's, there we go. So here's the temple ground. And you may not be able to see everything up there, but you can surely see that red circle uh, that points down to the large courtyard there. That is the court of the Gentiles and the Herod's temple. Now, um, there's a low wall that you may be able to see between the court of the Gentiles and uh, the, the temple complex proper. And uh, the, the low wall had 13 different entrances that people could pass through. But that is where those placards would be. No Gentile can pass that area upon penalty of death. That is the dividing wall of hostility referred to here in Ephesians. And what are they divided from? Well, the closer you get to the temple, the increasingly holy it becomes. And so inside the temple, there's the holy place where only the priest can go. Inside the the holy place, there's the holy of holies where the presence of God is said to dwell. And the whole thing was set up so that we could understand that God is holy. In order to come into his presence in the Old Testament, they had to uh, sacrifice animals to come closer and closer to God's presence. But Gentiles are out of the picture entirely. They can't come into the temple complex because they are not heirs of the promise. They can come into the court of the Gentiles. That's as far as they can go. There's a dividing wall between Jews and non-Jews, between people of the promise and people that are outside and excluded from the people of promise, the people that are near from God, the people that are far from God, there's a dividing wall in between them. There's a separation that took place. And in order for anyone to come into that, something had to happen. Something significant had to happen for for the nations to be able to enter into the holiness of God. And so when we come to 
Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near. How? Not by the blood of animals, but by the blood of Christ. So there is a sacrifice for us. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. That wall is gone. Now there is peace. And he set it aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. And so, there's one plan for Jews and Gentiles, for all people. The plan of salvation is that there is a sacrifice for the nations. And the nation of Israel and the promises to Abraham are that through Abraham, all the nations would be blessed. And Jesus is the son of Abraham, the son of David, in whom all those blessings are fulfilled and distributed to all who put their hope in Christ. So there is one way to salvation to God, and that is through Christ. If you can move it, there we go. Um, so we have Christ's sacrifice, that we are reconciled to uh, all people and to God himself through the blood of Christ, All the hostility has been done away with. And um, before we go to that last point, I want to point this out. Agnostics believe that there could be a God. Maybe they believe there is a God. But are not sure that we can know him. Agnosticism, no knowledge of God. And... Uh, and yet, here we find out that the way we can know God is through Jesus. And then some other people believe we can just kind of know God through our own personal journey, somehow. But they're going to bump into the dividing wall of hostility, which doesn't just separate Jews from Gentiles, it separates us from the holiness of God. And so, what we're hearing here in Ephesians is the reconciliation piece uh, that is Jesus. Jesus is the means of that reconciliation. He is the means for us to travel from being far from God to near God. And so we have this message, number three here. And um, so in, in uh, Ephesians 2.17 says, He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. Now, that word preached peace is, a, is sort of a funny um, word in the Greek underneath that, because normally if you're having preached, it would be the word caruso, and I, I like to bug Dan Caruso about that. Um, preach generally, or proclaim generally, is this word caruso. That is not the word that's being used here. The word that's underneath that one is gospel, euangelion. It's, it's the gospel. He gospeled peace. He gospeled peace in verse 17, to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Through this good news that Jesus died for our sins, we've been reconciled and we've been reconciled through this message of the gospel. Now that's going to become very important for us as Christians it's really important for us because we are, um, as a church, gospel people. We're good news people. We're Christ-centered people. 
That's, that's um, part of our identity is that. All right, so last part, our destination. We finally made it. You guys say praise God? Praise God. We've made it to our destination. They're like, praise God, Kevin's got to be done here soon. Um, so consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Remember, you weren't citizens before. Now you were citizens. You weren't members, but now you're members of the household. And it's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Remember, the prophets went to the nation of Israel. Now they, all those promises belong to you. With Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we are being built into God's house. Also built into God's house is Jesus, the cornerstone, the thing that holds everything together. And God is continuing to build us and filling us with his spirit. And that is his plan of reconciliation for us. It's, it's the future is we are members of God's house, a place of heavenly joy. Thirteen years ago, I uh, was walking along a road um, in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, working for a group, uh, Compassion Ministries, and uh, on one side of me, there was a, um, a bunch of sandbags, razor wire, and mounted machine guns with soldiers. And it was a UN um, station, peacekeeping station. And as I walked by it, I thought, you know, I'm on the wrong side of this station here. I mean, if you want to be safe, you're in there. And I'm walking here on the outside. And then I thought, you know, in order to go inside that station there, um, I mean, like, if you, can you imagine if you just tried to walk into this, this UN station and you hire, but, you know, what would happen? You don't know. Um, but possibly nothing good, because they don't know who you are. But if someone were to bring you in to that station, someone were to come out and say, hey, Come with me, and we'll, we'll walk in through all of this wall of hostility. You could walk in there, and you could belong, but you couldn't do it by yourself. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He has walked us through the wall of hostility. He has brought us, who are far, near, into a place where there is hope, and where we are not just guests, but fellow citizens, members of God's household. And God wants to do a wonderful work through us too. As we think about um, the place to gather and moving this church to a larger location and something that's uh, a place that's more visible and, and um, uh, possibly we'll have more guests um, come in that we don't know. And, and uh, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a very real danger of losing a sense of identity and who we are. I mean, of course, we're excited to have more people and we want that, but we need to remember that we are at the center. We're good news people, people centered around the good news. We're people who've been brought from far away into the presence of Christ. We are people 
that it's a, the passage says, had no hope, but now we do have hope in Christ. And the hope is a hope of being in God's presence. It's a hope of being in God's blessing. And that's what God wants for us. And so uh, we're not just a club or a, or, or a group of people that love each other, although we do, and I, and I, I, I love that about us, but, uh, but we are people of a message, and the message is the gospel. Now, it might be, as I've been speaking, that you think, well, I, I'm not sure which side of that wall I'm on right now. I don't know if I'm on the hostility side of the wall, uh, as I was. I was just walking by the sandbags and machine guns, and I thought, hmm, maybe I should be on that side. Um, but I want you to know that if that's you, that there is someone who will take you through that wall, and that's Christ. And you might be wondering, well, maybe I need to get things cleaned up in my life, or th- you know, I haven't been a regular church attender, I've, I'm in the habitual sin, I've got whatever it is that's going on in your life. And, um, and the solution is not to get things cleaned up before you come in. The solution is to take Christ's hand and walk in with him. And the cleanup process takes place over the course of time as God works on you. So if that's you, I, I encourage you. Um, we'll have a, a time of a prayer um, to just give your life to Christ. And, and, uh, and Matthew 28 says, you know, be baptized. I mean, not just give your life to Christ, but be baptized. And learn what Christ has commanded so you can walk more fully with him, a place of joy. A place with God is a place of highest blessing. Well, I'm going to pray for us with that and also um, want you to know that uh, I'll I'll give an opportunity now, but there's also uh, during the last two songs, we have some people that can pray for you in the back if you'd like prayer for yourself. And it may be that you have uh, like prayer for somebody else. We believe that God works powerfully through our prayer. So um, on those last two songs, feel free to walk in the back and and, uh, join others in prayer. Please bow your heads with me. Um, Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, which tells us that we who are far from you have been brought near through Christ. Thank you for loving us so much that, uh, that you would desire us to be in, uh, not only uh, hostility be broken down um, between us and you, but between us and others. That uh, in loving you and loving others, that, uh, that those walls are broken down in Christ. Um, uh, Father, I pray, I, I know some of us here might want to give their life to Christ. Pray, Lord, if that's, um, if that's uh, you now, just that um, you take this time to do so. And some might want to recommit their lives to Christ. And so if you're listening with me and want to pray along with me, I'm going to do that right now. Father, um, I, uh, Cabot Ashwill, recommit my life to Christ. I confess my sin, that there are things I haven't done right, that there are things I should have done and didn't, the things I've done wrong. And so I don't stand before you on my own merit. I don't come close to you on my own two feet. But only as I walk with Christ and trust him for my salvation. And so, Lord, I want 
to be near to you with Christ as my King. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.